0: Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Move Nourished podcast where we discuss nutritious eating, functional movement, and herbal medicine to help you move, eat, and live better. I'm Alyssa.
1: And I'm Forrest. We're clinical herbalists, movement coaches, and wellness nerds. Let's get started.
0: All right, dear listeners. So today, Forrest and I are going to do our best to make the case for why your movement, first and foremost, your primary exercise goal or your movement goal, Should be to foster wellness, connection, and joy. Far above and over any specific performance goal or any other type of weight loss goal or what have you. So let's get started. Movement should... And I feel like you and I are totally on the same page about this for So uh, I don't expect us to disagree on this. So I'm not saying this as like a thing that a case that I'm trying to make against you because I feel like we are on the same page. But I'm actually going to start with what happens when this doesn't happen and what because that's what I see a lot of. So let's start there. The culture of movement that we have in much of the U.S., not in some spaces, but in a lot of spaces and certainly amongst the general population, I would say, is very much influenced by this punishing physique-oriented gym culture, yeah, that is harmful and for mul- right for multiple reasons. But one reason that really breaks my heart is that it really affects people's relationship to movement as a whole, mm-hmm. and it re- affects their relation to their bodies and themselves and what the purpose of movement is. Because I have been fortunate enough in my journey as a coach and as an athlete, right, to have really found what I have dubbed several movement soulmates. And what do I mean when I say movement soulmate? I am firmly in the camp that there is a thing for everyone that they do with their body that makes them feel alive and present and empowered and embodied, if you will. It's a little redundant, but I am firmly convinced having experienced it myself and also just what I know about movement. And having seen it in other people that there is some version of that for everyone
1: yeah now
0: that could be underwater basket weaving or that could be martial (laughs) arts or that could be whatever right and so i think we need to also keep in mind when i'm talking about this i'm not necessarily saying that there's a type of exercise that's for everyone i'm saying that there's a type of movement that's for everyone or there's
1: movement pursuits
0: yes or physical pursuits if you will for everyone and one of the primary reasons I think that is so important, not only just to fight against fat phobia and diet culture and this prescriptive and punishing orientation towards movement as a whole, but also because in my clinical experience, people aren't going to stick to movement if it's like a chore or a punishment, right? Or if they do, they're doing it out of extraordinary self-discipline, and I would much rather they do it out of love and out of joy and out of curiosity and exploration.
1: And there's a certain point where I think that there's a point of movement should, in at least part sense, be the end goal of movement.
0: Movement for movement's sake, absolutely.
1: And then when when we get too lost in physique-based goals or number-based goals of like, I'm going to hit this number with my deadlift. I want to hit this number. It really detracts from some of the joy of movement itself. And obviously Mm -hmm. we have goal-based orientation. Obviously there's going to be exercises and movements that aren't our favorite that we're using to make us better at doing the ones that are our favorite. and do like, like that. yeah.
0: The only way you'll ever convince me to do cardio is if you tell me that it's going to make my martial arts better. And that's pretty exactly. much
1: it. Having this relationship where it's a little bit less of like that that grind to mm-hmm. for the end gain. I call it end gaining where it's like it's all about the end result. And what is that end result? And I encourage you to think about that is like, is the end result going to the beach and and having a good body. Pack, yeah. Like, yeah. or do you have a that bring you joy that you want to do.
0: Yeah. And I think with that movement for movement's sake, yes. And movement, some forms of movement, it's a little bit easier to grasp this concept than others, right? Think about dance as an example of a movement where it's pretty easy to make the connection between the movement and the sort of celebration of life and the celebration of what it means to be a human in a body that moves. It's pretty easy to make that connection when it comes to things like a dance or interpretive dance or something like that. It's pretty clear that it is a very creative way of moving and that that is a celebration of life and what it means to be alive.
1: Or then you might take something like uh, yoga, tai chi, mm. gong, that have a different energy than maybe a dance, but it's still that it's it's about the state that the movement creates and it's about mm-hmm. the, the celebration of life flow or, state it, the, or the... the flow state that's mm-hmm. in those movements.
0: Yeah. And we talk a lot about movement as a way to make your tissues and your body more resilient, and you're not going to do it if you hate it. Like fact of the matter yeah. is like you may, but if you're just like a particularly you know rigid, self-loathing person, that's fine, more power to you. But most of us in our free time, right, in the limited free time that people have, aren't going to want to do something that they despise. And nice. I am here to tell you, dear listener, that there is no reason to do that because I can guarantee you that there is a form of movement out there for you if you have not encountered it yet, that fosters curiosity and exploration and joy and celebration, in addition to then being a form of moving your body that then is going to make your tissues more resilient. And And like Forrest is saying, yeah, of course, there's going to be some things you probably have to do to fill in the gaps there. If you only like to do one thing, you want to have good variety. But when the anchor of your movement practice is something that you enjoy and you love and you find fulfilling and dynamic or you're getting or relaxing or whatever it is that you need from that, you're getting it. You're going to stick to that 100%. Like, there's not going to be a problem for you to cultivate a habit of sticking to that over the long term.
1: Yeah. Movement should be fostering wellness and resilience. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. another part. Sometimes that doesn't always fit in with our performance goals or we have to be mindful of wellness and resilience. I think about resilience as our ability for our nervous system to cope with and adapt to all of the stressors that we're putting into our body. Mm -hmm. Exercise and training can be another stressor. And we've talked about this before, but looking at other stressors going on in your life and how that mixes with your training and your movement, you may need to adapt movement to promote resilience, not to Beat your system down more. Yeah. And there's movements that you can, just like there's movements that we can do to push ourselves, there's movement practices that can be really great for recovery and building more resilience in times that you need a little bit extra of that. And then wellness, the same way, tissue health, we can look at you're not going to sustain a movement program that's wearing your body down. Eventually, things are going to start wearing out and pains are going to start cropping up. And so we have to think about like also keeping that in mind and keeping movements that are nourishing.
0: Nutritive, yeah. And nutritive
1: Mm -hmm. and are balancing us out. That way we can build all these things. You're not going to have success if you hate what you're doing. You're not going to have success if what you're doing is slowly wearing you out in a way that's not manageable and you're not going to have success if what you're doing is overloading your system with stress in a point that you can't be resilient to. And so we have to keep all three of those in mind in how we approach movement.
0: Absolutely. And I think the other big thing about this for me, when we say movement should be joyful and foster joy, I also think movement is one of the best vehicles for connection That we have whether it's connecting to yourself i think primarily right even if you're all alone on a mountain climbing mount everest by yourself i don't great for you movement should connect you first and foremost to yourself and to your body Mm -hmm. and the way that you move should make you feel good in your body and if the way that you are moving makes you feel shame in your body or like your body is not good enough or unsafe in your body then Dear listener, I advise you to pump the brakes and examine that. And as a female martial artist with a history of abuse, I can tell you that there are some times where we're drawn to the types of movement that bring us to our edges in that way. And I think that's different. I think that's different than something that is not nourishing and healing, because I think that for some of us, that is where the potential for a lot of healing lies and lives. Definitely. But it should connect you to yourself in a way that you are comfortable with and that excites you and that is fulfilling and is absent any shame or punishment or feelings of inadequacy. And then the next layer of that is often movement is a great way to connect us to other people. Movement is a great way to meet new people and it's a great way to meet like-minded people and there's all there's all sorts of meetups it it's is, a great way oh, to also
1: uh to negotiate boundaries yeah know? but especially group movement group activities martial arts dance all of them in different ways are like a very primal way of negotiating social social dynamics. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And practicing social dynamics. So for kiddos and socialization of kiddos, like amazing. Yes. And then this becomes just a little sociological sidebar. I think this becomes even more relevant in the world that we live in now where there is so much more connection and uh, social cohesion that is based on things other than lineage and bloodlines and family or religion, right? Like the things that unite us are changing and have changed. And so there's this idea oftentimes in the LGBTQ community of chosen family and I think that is applicable here as well, right? Like when you are united in a love of a certain scuba diving, right? Whatever. Like when I just went scuba diving a couple of weeks ago and I remember that like scuba divers, it, it's a vibe. Like they have a vibe. Like there's anywhere around, like people come from all over the world. They come from a ton of different backgrounds and they are united and connect over this love of this common form of movement. And right. then the furthest most ring or another outermost ring when we're talking about connecting to yourself, to other people, and the next layer outside of that, I would say is, of course, to the broader, more general idea of just nature, right? Movement is a yeah. great opportunity to connect to an interface with the natural world in both dosages that are more palatable to some people than just like selling all that you own and going and living in the woods. Most of us are not in a position or have the desire to do that. But well, we all are hardwired to benefit from connection with nature. And there's a million different ways to connect with nature through some sort of movement. It doesn't have to be like ultra marathons or trail running or even camping, right? It can be like golf or it can be something that's like way more chill that just have stand up paddleboarding. Whatever. A lot of leave. movement has to happen outside, first of all. Like a lot of sports have to happen outside. And then a lot of other types of movement beyond that can happen outside. So it's an excellent opportunity to find some way to interface with the natural world.
1: Yeah. I think also we we think about what makes the movement real for us. Mm. What makes it have meaning? Oh, yeah.
0: Meaning making.
1: Yeah. In my background, I had a lot of motor control patterning issues ever since I was a kid. And... One of the barriers I found to movement was that the fun, outdoor, exciting activities, that was for people that were good at moving. And what I was taught in physical therapy and later in more functional movement and yoga therapy and all of somatics and all these different therapies was a lot of really good material, but it was very, it was very disconjointed from what was meaningful to me as far as like real movement. Mm -hmm. And so... It wasn't until I started climbing trees again and flipping tires and doing stuff like that. Yeah. That the, a lot of that movement knowledge actually became something that was meaningful and, and real when, to you and real to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way. And if way the movements aren't real and aren't joyful and vibrant, it's not just, this isn't just psychological, just on performance and moving, it's gonna be harder to make those movements make sense to your nervous system. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be harder to program those movements and get good at those movements unless you just have a lot of conditional and genetic bonus points towards your motor control system. Yeah. It's a lot harder to learn movements that are disconjointed and don't make any sense than it is to learn movements that are a part of a greater whole that feed into something that we can do that actually is a meaningful Thing, whether that's yes. running around in the woods and jumping and getting better at climbing through bramble to pick roots, which is what gives me joy. But but that can be any other movement soulmate, like Alyssa, you were just talking about, is that's what makes this real. And
0: yeah, it, that's what makes it. And on a psychological level, just to even circle back to that, that's what makes it something that your nervous system, quote unquote, takes seriously. Yeah. So let's finish with. How do we find our movement soulmate? Right. And what are we looking for? And we've already, t- I've already touched on this a little bit. Does it ignite you when you do it? And it's okay if it scares you a little. It's okay if it makes you nervous. That's not the same thing, right? Like only you can be the gauge of just how far outside your comfort zone do you need slash want to be in order to pursue a certain type of movement. Different sports require different appetites for risk-taking and uh, different aptitudes and all of that stuff, right? Scuba diving, just to use that example, if you don't like being underwater, probably not the best moment for you. But if it scares you a little but it really excites you to go down and see I saw a six and a half foot reef shark this last time I dove, and that was cool. I'd never seen that before. And that oh. was about 10 minutes after I had a small panic attack because I haven't been underwater in a couple of years. And I was like, whoa, this is weird to have water blow above, around. Like I'm under a shelf of water right now. I am in somebody else's world. But that, for me, the, on a personal level, like that's, I'm fine with that level of risk and uncertainty. And I just, that's just where my appetite falls on the spectrum of what I like what I seek out and what I'm looking for in my movement pursuits. Now, someone else may be really fulfilled by something that is like foraging or basket weaving, whatever, knitting, like whatever endurance riding where you ride through the desert for weeks on end. And like, yeah. and there are so many different ways to move your body that it. I will warn you, dear listener, that it will probably take a little bit of experimentation and that that should be fine. And that that also helps us flex the muscle just on a personal growth level of constantly cultivating a beginner's mindset and being okay with being bad at things and uh, at the beginning and being okay with looking a little silly and again everyone's comfort level with that's going to be different but i do think that is a good it's going to require a process of experimentation if you haven't happened to have already landed on Your movement soulmate,
1: and if you have landed on your movement soulmate, I also encourage you to make sure you rekindle your relationship. Sometimes, especially when you're getting into competition or you're getting into high levels of performance, it's really easy to become disenchanted with the movement soulmate that you uh, joined as a sport to begin with. Just like like, any
0: other relationship, burnout is a thing, and it takes burnout is a thing.
1: Mm -hmm. So. I, if you need to rein back your marathon numbers and do some tough mutter, or playful, Mm. playful, beat chase races, Mm -hmm. things like that, that get you back into the, to running, if that's your sport or chosen, soulmate Mm -hmm. do that, look for how, yes, you can keep pushing to be the best of the best or whatever, but does that still connect you to the reason that you do what you chose to do?
0: Absolutely. All right, friends, this has been the Move Nourish podcast. I'm Alyssa. And
1: I'm Forrest.
0: And we'll catch you next time.